It's Wednesday on Locked On NHL, which means Eastern Conference gets the spotlight. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators alongside Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. And perfect that we have Mikey with us because it's Ryan O'Reilly season in Southern Ontario. He's played three games and as of yesterday, he's got one, two, three goals. The hat trick helped propel the Leafs past the Buffalo Sabres. Big points lost from Buffalo. We'll tell you how that stacks up in the wildcard race and... We're only nine days away from the NHL trade deadline. We'll get you the latest from the rumor mill, all coming up on today's Locked On NHL. It's brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit them at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. This is the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on NHL, your first listen on this Wednesday, February 22nd. The show is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can help the show grow by leaving a comment below. Comment anything, or you can tell me which player you want your team to go out and try to get before the deadline. Some teams have already been active, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we've got a wild trade just brewing up right now. But first, Mike, I just want to say happy anniversary, man. Uh, thanks. What's the anniversary? It's the three-year anniversary from the Maple Leafs losing to your Zamboni driver. So, happy anniversary. Wow. That is... Can you believe that I went all the way through today without being told that, seeing that, knowing that? Which is actually an indictment on me for not knowing that, considering that I literally host a show called Leafs Lunch also. So... Or at least out to lunch. Yeah, I hate you. I hate you. You can do the rest of the show by yourself now. Oh, buddy, it's all in good fun. And I needed to poke some fun because it's hard to hate on the Leafs right now. I'll tell you in brutal honesty, I told Pilsy this morning, I said that Ryan O'Reilly seems like a kind of guy who can get a team over a hump. And I'm nervous as a, as a well-known Leafs hater, he might have that dog in him that gets the Leafs past the first round. I hate to say it, but he might be that guy is he still playing at center with with Tavares and Marner if they switch things up oh no he's still playing right down the middle in the 2c hole they flex to Tavares out to the left they have Marner on the right and last night was magic I'm not sure if you watched that game against the Buffalo Sabres but 12 minutes into the game and that line they'd already combined for three goals on the night four goals and 13 points combined for the three of them um, it was the first time in Leafs history that three players had all notched three points in the first period of a Maple Leafs game. So, you know, last night was just uh, terrific with those three. So, yeah, to answer your question, they're still rocking with uh, with with Riley in the two-hole and, and uh, Tavares over on the wing. And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like we're going to see that for a, a while. Like at some point, Sheldon Keefe has talked about how he still does want to get a look at you know, Tavares back at the wing. Maybe O'Reilly shifts out to the wing to see how that looks. Or O'Reilly will shift down to the 3C hole if they want to see if they can provide real depth down the middle. Um, but so far, so good when it comes to evaluating that trade from a Maple Leafs perspective. You know, O'Reilly had the hat trick last night. Nola Chari has been a terrific addition to the team's fourth line, too. He's out here 
hitting everything, literally anything that's moving. He wants to go out there and he wants to hit them. And it's also allowing Zach Gasson Reese to get up to his level. So we're seeing a lot of really good things going on in Toronto right now since that trade. And, you know, it's just two quality people coming into the lineup. And absolutely, I think that that's the type of move that could put this team over the hump and finally book themselves a ticket into the second round for the first time since 2004, Ross. I know. I actually have a uh, a towel from that playoff series. I, I was at Beer League the other day and just wiping my skate blades off, and it was Stanley Cup playoffs 2004, those woo-hoo towels from that series against Toronto. So uh, it looks pretty worn for sure. But uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, they also announced today Jake Muzzin will not return today. Hey, very uh, curious how that always seems to happen with Toronto, that someone just – magically gets their cap hit disappeared we know robot and now i mean jake muzzin just magically gone and it's all good eh? hang on are you are you poking fun or are you actually saying like what are you doing here i mean it's just happened consistently over the years yeah but he's been out since november and he's (laughs) been out and they've known this and he's not coming back for the playoffs either like he's done for the season right and it's not that he can't still play he could still play the game Right, this is not Robada Island at all. That's not what this is all about. I don't believe so. You think this is a Robada Island situation? It's just curious. That's all, dude. It's a spinal injury. He's got a spinal injury. He's got to focus on what's going on the rest of his career. I don't think. uh, You think he plays again? What's up here at all? You think he's back next year? No, I don't. I don't think he's ever going to play again. Okay, because when you said rest of his career, you mean rest of his life. What do you mean? What like? Because you said he's got to worry about the rest of his career. That's why I was wondering. Well, the rest of his life, yes. He's got to worry about the rest of his life. But I think it's like effectively it sounds as though his career could be over as a hockey player playing on the ice. Um, I don't see any circumvention going on here. I think it's just a very unfortunate injury. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's cutting his career short. And I don't think that's a positive for the Maple Leafs. I think they're a better team with him in the lineup than out of it. So I don't see this being uh, – there's no suspicion for me when it comes to this situation. It's it's a very unfortunate predicament, actually, for Jake Muzzin in Toronto. Fair enough, yeah. And obviously, we hope for the best for his long-term health uh, as well. Turned 34 yesterday, uh, former mm-hmm. Stanley Cup champion with the LA Kings. So he's out. They don't have to worry about his uh, $5.625 million cap. And, uh, I mean, another big cap hit, Matt Murray still out after suffering injury in warm-up about a month ago against Ottawa. Are the Leafs done, Mike, or do you think that they've got another move or two in them? Well, so that one I could give you. If you want to go maybe Robodot Island on a Matt Murray situation, there I could go with you on that one. Not not Muzzin, but maybe there's something to do with Matt Murray because you're maybe right. It was, just, a, oh. it was an ankle flare-up in, in warm-up. Like, I don't know what type of ankle flare-up could have possibly happened where he's been practicing the whole oh, time. I've seen this movie before. I've been like I have been to morning skate. I've watched him get in some extra work after practice, and I'm watching him move from post to post. It all looks good. So there is a lot of question marks of what's going on there. Um, but as of now, like he's on LTIR, he can't return until February or until March 1st, which coincidentally two days prior to the uh, the actual trade deadline. So we'll see what happens in terms of them if they're done or not. Well, the what they can do, I think, is dictated based on what happens with Matt Murray. Like, if he is on LTIR and all of a sudden that cap space becomes available, now you can make a much more sizable trade. And I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like 
that's going to happen, but you never know. Um, either way, I still think there's something else to be done. I don't know how big they can go. Like I, I realistically have looked into the numbers. If they want to scale it down to a 20, 21 man roster, um, they can, even if they activate Matt Murray, they still can add about, um, depending if you want to go 21 or 20 players, anywhere from a one to like two and a half million dollar cap hit. Um, and if you can get some teams to retain or a double retention, I mean, you took Ryan O'Reilly's $7 million and it got retained all the way down to 1.87. Like if you find a defenseman, let's say a Gavrikov, and they get Columbus to retain to retain 50% of that, at 2.8, it's 1.4, you can easily fit that into the Toronto Maple Leaf salary cap structure. So I still think there is a move that could be done. And I would implore Kyle Dubas to make a move. I think this is the year they go all in. I'll go back to the Blue Jays and their big chase back in 2015, right? They traded for Troy Tulowitzki a couple of weeks before the deadline. That was a massive ad. And then what did they do on deadline day? One they more big-time piece, David Price, gets traded. Oh. David Price. When did they get Dickie? That was years prior. Years uh. prior. That was the Mark Burley. That was it. Those were off-season deals. Not, I not threw a knuckler there, and I missed low. Yeah, you missed it. You you being the batter on that one, but that like this is what I quit. This is this is Kyle Dubas's Alex Anthopoulos moment. If it means leaving the cupboards bare going forward, so be it. This is the year to go all in. You've already made that decision by bringing in Ryan O'Reilly. Double down, double down. Right? You've raised, and I think you got to just keep raising and go all in at this point. Um, so I do expect for them to make one more one more addition to the blue line. And just really check all those boxes. Like you don't want to, you know, go into the playoffs and being like, ah, have any worries. Like you don't want to sit there and say to yourself, is this blue line good enough? Like on most nights they're okay. But but what about, you know, if Justin Hall starts to act up or Morgan Miley doesn't get his game back? Or what if Sandine's getting pushed around? Do we have somebody or something that we can put in there that we have more comfort with? And I just would rather than figure that out prior to March 3rd, than be wishing they did something come March 4th or even worse come April and May. So I think there's one more move to be made. Do the Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay Lightning have to match the Toronto Maple Leafs who went out and got a big time center in Ryan O'Reilly? We're going to get into that. And also the wild card race is heating up. Who are the favorites to get in and who's just sniffing around for now? It's all coming up on Locked On NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. They have odds on everything, including you can do playoff props right now on FanDuel. Plus 440 for the Sabres to make the playoffs. Mike, are you riding with that? I like it. There's a lot of games in hand there, and that's a quality team, and that's good value. I think I put a little sprinkle there. Free free bets if you do $5.00. Bet you get $150 in free bets guaranteed. New customers, that's for in the United States. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel has all your favorite bets. Plus, you can even combine bets for your chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with Fanduel. It's the official partner of the NFL and the Locked On NHL Podcast Network. Are 
you're listening to Locked On NHL, your team every day. I'm Ross Levitan. You can find me five days a week over at Locked On Ottawa Senators. And Mike DiStefano is over at Locked On Maple Leafs. You can find local experts on the biggest stories every weekday. It's your team every day. And we've got a few trades trickling in. When I see the Arizona Coyotes made a trade, I'm thinking, okay, finally, Jacob Chikrin is being traded. He hasn't played for almost two weeks. And at this point, still no trade. Like at what point does this start to reflect extremely poorly on the organization? I think that they're handling this awful. Jacob Chikrin asked for a trade. He did his part, man. He went out there and he's been their best defenseman game in game out. And then they're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to protect our asset here. Well, how long are they going to protect it for a whole month? They're like, I'm hoping there was something that was pretty much in place that last second got nixed. And then they kind of got caught with their pants down and they have to keep him out of the lineup still. Cause now like, I, I don't know what the situation is there. Cause it's been, I think 10 days since, uh, since he was held out of the lineup for the 12, first time, 12 days. days. So we're looking, going up on, on nearly two weeks here. Like it's insane. And, and, and it's, it's to a point where, you know, teams probably are like, Hey, we want to see him in game action now. Like it's been almost two weeks here. Like we want to make sure that he's good to go once he gets to our club. Not that it's going to take him a week to get back into game condition. Like let's, what are we doing here? I don't know, but him, Gavrikov, Luke Shen was also put on uh trade related reasons, scratch list yesterday and sent back to Vancouver. So it's become a big, you know, epidemic that we're seeing here. Um, but to your point, there was a Coyotes trade. One well, before, that has- we get, before we get to that, I just want to say Andy Strickland, who's plugged in with St. Louis Cam and Strick podcast, he's reporting that the cost for Jacob Chikrin remains any combination of two first round picks or a first and a prospect that would be equivalent to a first. And the Coyotes appear to be in no rush and will keep him if they don't get what they want. There's that has to be posturing. There's no way. Jacob Chikrin is still a coyote after the trade deadline. Is there? Well, I mean, if, if, if they don't meet the contract demands, I mean, or the trade demands, it's, it's possible. Like they don't have to trade them. They're still what two, three years left on that contract. They don't have to trade them and they could move them in the, in the summer where there's more teams who could take on that type of salary. You don't got to worry as much about salary retention, which let's face it. I don't know how much money Arizona is willing to retain, considering their money situation and, and they're cheap owners. So, you know, that they may prefer to wait until the summer to move them out so that they don't have to retain anything or take on any bad contracts um, coming the other way, which apparently they're not willing to do. Well, they took on a big contract today, uh, but it's an LTIR contract. The trade you're referring to, um, the Arizona Coyotes have sent Dyson Mayo, who is legitimately, and I I say this with all due respect because he's an NHLer, he is one of the worst defensemen in the league right now. Um, The skeleton of Shea Weber might be a better defenseman than Dyson Mayo, but Dyson Mayo goes from Arizona to Vegas with a late-round draft pick uh, in exchange for Shea Weber's contract. We'll say more of this for the Locked on NHL Western Conference shows and locked on Vegas Golden Knights. But ultimately, it gives them the opportunity to have a long-term big ticket deal come into their lineup. And we know that they already have Mark Stone on LTIR as well. He's out for the rest of the season. Playoffs to be determined. A back issue there with Stone, the captain, keeping him out of the lineup. But um, at least there's some 
trades uh, happening. Yeah. Vegas, uh, uh, this this is per Pierre LeBron. Um, Weber's contract actually only one million per salary starting next year, but the yeah. cap is seven point eight five seven. So that, that's a lot of money moving around. Yeah, and that's exactly what Arizona wants to do, right? They want their cap to be as high as possible with the dollar amounts to be as low as possible. So it makes exact, like, makes so much sense. And I'm sure that's an insured contract also. So Arizona probably won't even have to pay him actual money. So that, that makes a whole lot of sense. But how's this for a clickbait um, in terms of talking about this deal, right? Coyotes acquire future Hall of Fame defenseman. <laughs> Click to see who. Is he though? Is Shea Weber a Hall of Famer? I think he's borderline, yeah. Borderline. No, yeah. no, I, th- I think he's in the mix. I think his international resume speaks extremely loud. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think he's definitely in there. Let us know in the comments. Is Shea Weber a Hall of Famer? I'm curious because I, I don't have a strong opinion either way. If he got in, like, he, he kind of revolutionized the – or not revolution, I shouldn't say, but it was always like him and Chara were like those old men who hammer yeah. the puck, man. So – he certainly had a superstar skill in there and, and led teams deep in playoffs, right? He went to Stanley Cup Finals. Or no, he didn't. Well, no, he did later in his career with Montreal. No. I was I was going to say with Nashville, but that was the year after the Subban trade. Uh, so Subban was the guy who was Subidouin. He's not a Hall of Fame, though, right, Subban? No. All of very good for P.K. Subban. In his prime, like if there was a Hall of Fame for your three-year prime, Maybe he was unreal when he was at the top of his game, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Great broadcaster too, man. I liked what he did at the uh, NHL all-star game, getting the guys to show, show a little personality. Uh, the one other trade in this one, I'll send you more over to locked on senators. If you actually care, I feel like Rangers fans might, they got Tyler Mott back who is a, a good contributor, a good foot soldier in their playoff run last year. They get him back for Julian Gauthier and a seventh round pick that becomes a sixth. like, when you hear that type of condition, they have to win one playoff round for it to become a six. Like they couldn't just agree on a six. Like it just feels like such an, an unnecessary condition. I know it really, it really does. I, I, uh, I'm surprised that uh, Mott was that cheap. To mm-hmm. be honest with you, like I, I well, like they got, for a fourth. they got him for a fourth at the deadline last year. So here, I figure they'll beat the Devils in the first round of the playoffs. I know you're a Rangers guy too. We're probably leaning that way. And this way, the Senators get a player who's under team control next year, and they'll give an opportunity. He's enormous, by the way. I didn't realize. Julian Gauthier, 6'4", 230, and can skate like the ones. Hands optional, though, on him, it seems like, uh, early on in his Sens career. But 77 is a nice skill number, though. He's rocking as well. So uh, we'll see. But they they save about uh, 600000 the rest of this year in terms of uh, overall salary. And, yeah, Mott gets to go to a fam- familiar destination. I have a feeling Mott ends up re-signing there with New York. Just seems like a good fit. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, he, he, he did – he was a good fit on that fourth line last year, and I think they need a little bit more PK help, and he does that. He's a little energizer bunny. Like I, I like Mott a lot as a player, and it's unfortunate it didn't really work out uh, in, in Ottawa. I thought that he would be a good signing, but there was injuries there and, and some up and down play. And ultimately, you know, I guess he he probably wanted to go back to New York, so probably doing a bit of a solid there. And yeah, I, I think that he gets he gets re-signed, but I don't think New York's done. Like they brought in Tarasenko, now they've brought in Tyler Mott. Do you see this report from Emily Kaplan? Whoa. So apparently, Patrick Kane could still maybe be in the mix here. Hmm. That would be interesting. They obviously have assets to to shift around. Do they have the money to make it work? 
Well, that's that's where it, it does get like tricky, right? Because you can do the whole double retention thing, and you can try and figure out how exactly they can get it done. Like, there's probably a couple of pieces that they could move around to make it work. Because if you if you're bringing in Patrick Kane, like you could probably ship somebody out, right? Like you you could just flat out make that happen. I think. Um, so it would be interesting to see exactly how they do that. But I did see Emily Kaplan talking about it earlier and basically saying that it sounds as though Patrick Kane is recalibrating things this weekend and is going to be making a decision rather shortly on what he wants to do. And it sounds as though if New York is still in the cards, he would probably like to see if that could, could work. Again, to your point, does it work from a cap perspective? There's going to need to be some gymnastics made from Chris Drury and uh, and those in the New York Rangers front office. But if you have a chance to land Patrick Kane along with Vladimir Tarasenko, and then you beefed up your fourth line by bringing Tyler Mott back into the fold, you've already got Igor Shosturkin, you've got Adam Fox, you've got Jacob Truga, you've got Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller, Zibanejad, Panarin. Like the list goes on and on. You do it. And I don't even think it would cost a lot. Because we're in a situation where they got to – you would think that the that the Hawks would just want to do Patrick Kane a solid. If he's ready to move on, not that they're just going to give it away for like a conditional seventh or anything like that. But I don't think it's going to cost, you know, like a first-round pick and a prospect and, and all this. I think it could be maybe a heavy conditional pick, something where if you win multiple rounds, it kind of goes up and up and up. But I don't think it's going to – cost a whole lot to, to, to bring in Patrick Kane if there's only one destination he's willing to wave to go to. The only problem is the money. you got to make it work. And right now, the deadline cap space for the Rangers is $900,000. So even if you retain half of Patty Kane, that's that's still over $5 million. They're going to have to figure out. like Capital yeah, cap that, that comes into my head, and he's 2.1. Um, the, the main guy I think the Rangers would like to move, but he has a no-move clause. It hasn't worked out for Vinny Trocek there at all. No, but you can you can look into it where you can get another team to retain, like it happened with the O'Reilly deal, right? So all of a sudden, ten million, you can get that looking in around two and a half million dollars. Yeah, right. Now it's two and a half million. There's not a whole lot you have to move out to make that work. I mean, most teams realistically, if they just want to run with twenty guys on your roster and just hope that you can stay healthy and you're not going to need extra bodies. You can free up, you know, like one and a half to two million dollars by just rolling with a 20 man roster. So, you know, I don't think it would be overly difficult to do something like that. That's fair. And I should also correct myself because uh, people are going to give it to me. Uh, Vinny Trocek has found his scoring touch at the start of the year, probably a little bit slower than he would have liked. He's got 12 points his last 11 games as well. So maybe I'm being a little hard. He's got 43 points in 57 games at 5.625 cap hit. So I'm probably being a little harsh there, but if you're able to get Patty Kane and you have Philip Heedle on your third line right now, they have some flexibility in what they want to do. But certainly the Rangers are, are a team to keep an eye on. Shesterkin's unreal. Um, they got goalied against Winnipeg on Monday. Like That was the best expected uh, stops above expected in a single game this season. Connor Hellebuck made 50 saves in a 4-1 win over the Rangers. But those uh, those blue shirts keep buzzing along. They are locked in, and I would say that the top three is locked in in both divisions in the Eastern Conference. However, the wild card race, that's anybody's guess. We'll take a peek at that next on Locked On NHL.
All right, you're listening to Locked On NHL. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Mike DiStefano. It's your team every day here on the Locked On NHL Network. Thank God for some slumps and for some teams who are starting to figure it out because for a while, even the wildcard race didn't look like it was going to be too exciting. But now we might have a photo finish. Mikey, how are you handicapping this race right now? And for those watching on YouTube, I'm going to pull it up because there is so many moving parts. You have to be able to see it to kind of go through what's, what all the options are with all these games in hand. And I think that the bye week in itself has really thrown a wrench in how we view things and how many games teams have. There's like five or six games discrepancy between these. Yeah, it's kind of like wild. And the one that looks the worst. So I would, I mean, so I would say probably would go down to, we could say Ottawa are the teams I would say are still in it. I think Philly downward, you're gone. You're done. And, you know, you may say, well, Philly's only two points back of Ottawa. Yeah, but Ottawa has three games in hand on those teams. And that's where it becomes somewhat insurmountable for Philadelphia to, to climb over all those teams without having games in hand to do it. So I would say it's about a seven-team race to win two spots, which that's a lot of competition to win two spots. So you're right. This is certainly a race and probably going to be a photo finish because um, it's only seven points that decipher between first and seventh here when it comes to this wild card um, spot. Now there's a lot of games uh, difference between these teams like Buffalo, for example, has played the least amount of games out of all of them. Buffalo's only four points back of a playoff spot, but has five games in hand on the Florida Panthers. The New York Rangers or the New York uh, Islanders are a team that's kind of sputtering now. I mean, they made their big trade, but it's not like it's kicked, you know, kickstarted them or given them that big of a jolt. They're still just hanging in there. I'm not certain how, how, well, they're going to do, especially now with the news that Matt Barzell's going to be out week to week and he can miss some significant time. You know, Pittsburgh's kind of sputtering a little bit. Washington's, um, you know, they're, I don't know what's going on there. They may be in cell mode. Um, so I, I think that right now there's uh, a big opportunity for a team like Buffalo and a team like Detroit to maybe get in and get themselves up near the top of this list with a lot of games in hand on the Islanders and, and Florida's played better of late. I'll give Florida some credit. Like they're getting some good goaltending out of Bobrovsky out, out of the all-star break. So they're kind of figuring it out themselves, which, you know, most probably assume that they would figure it out to some degree. Um, but the Islanders for me is probably the team that moves out. And one of Buffalo, Detroit, Pitt, I don't know about Washington, but one of those four teams um, probably take that other wild card spot the way I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I mean, the Red Wings 6-2-0 and since the All-Star break. That's going to propel you up the standings any way you look at it. Plus 10 goal differential in those eight games as well. They've been playing really good hockey. You can look at a couple of the teams. Like, they got Vancouver twice. Those were wins. And um, you got to beat the teams in front of you, though, either way. Now, again, I have circled next week as a – I think we're going to be a six-team race after next Tuesday – because I think whoever, unless it's a split, I mean, obviously that's an option as well. But Detroit and Ottawa, a back-to-back game, there's a postponed game. So it's going to be one of those rare, rare, rare occurrences where two teams play on back-to-back nights in the same arena. So we'll see what happens in that one. The, the game's in hand, certainly. Like, when are the other teams' bye weeks? Like, when do the Islanders and, and Panthers have a break? Because looking at the Islanders' schedule... It's they not don't. anytime soon. <laughs> they don't. The bye week's already came. The bye week is before and after the All-Star break. That's it. It just means that they're going to have a lighter schedule the rest of the way. So you can look at that as, I guess, a positive 
Um, but Buffalo clearly looks at that and says, well, we still have like, yeah, sure. We got to play five extra games. We now in the end of the year, but that's also five games for us to get that five points so we can leapfrog you and become, you know, one of these wild card winners. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, I suppose, to have games in hand. But at the same time, it also means that you're going to have a little bit more of a heavier workload down the stretch than a team like the Islanders and the Panthers, who had a bit of a heavier workload ahead of the All-Star break. Yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out. But you're right when you're talking about the, uh, the Florida Panthers as a team who's a struggle for a bit, and goaltending still, I think, a, a long-term issue for them as, as to if and when Spencer Knight is going to step up and be that blue chipper that we thought he would be. And Bobrovsky had that bounce-back resurgence last season, and now he's kind of fallen back off the wagon a little bit. Buffalo, to me, is like the easy team to to expect the most out of. Dude, they're 11-15-2 and two at home. Like, that's got to change. They're going to win. I know, I know, and they – Took a big dump last night on home, on home ice. It was basically yep. a road game, though. Seventy percent Leaf fans, but um, yeah, they have not played well at home, which is really surprising. Like you look at at a team when when they have a, a bad road, a home record, you usually think, okay, well, I guess that's probably a squad that's not in the playoff race. When you're four games under five hundred on the at, on home ice, not the case with Buffalo. They're very much in it because they got a strong road record. So if they can win some some home games down the stretch, you would think that law of averages would suggest they should win some more home games. So, yeah, you could also look at that as, as a bit of a positive that going forward, maybe they get a couple extra dubs, a couple more points um, in the bank there if, if they can start winning in Key Bank Arena. I think that the Washington Capitals are my team that's like outside looking in and maybe maybe having the worst um, outside Ottawa, who's sniffing around, I would say, isn't really in the race yet. They're sniffing around. If they well, get a lost, here. Washington's lost what five in a row now? Five in a row, and and look at that. Of all the teams who have played the most games, the Washington, Florida, and New York Islanders, they've only got twenty two regulation wins. So you're looking at them not having a real strong tiebreaker possibility here as well. And not to mention, they're going to be like, is John Carlson coming back at all? That's a good question. I'm not sure what his status is going forward. And like Tom Wilson came back and then left. And is Backstrom going to get back to, to what we're expecting of him? I know Alex Ovechkin is back from being away from the team for the last four games and coinciding with their losing streak here. But that's a team who I, I'm kind of circling is like you said, like could they even be sellers at the deadline? Because they have to think of their long term as well. And by long term, I mean the rest of Ovi's career. They're, they're not going to be a team that rebuilds while Alex Ovechkin is still in the mix. But I don't know if maybe they take a step back and say, hey, we need to regroup and, and reload here so that we can be a good team next year and not even be in the wildcard hunt because Washington isn't a team that we're used to seeing in this area of the standings. They're usually locked in to one of those top three metropolitan teams. But I think the, the picture will be a lot clearer by trade deadline. Mike, you talk about games in hand. Ottawa plays four games in the next five days starting on Friday. So that's... That's a busy stretch right there at Carolina, at Montreal, then home the two in Detroit uh, against Detroit that I mentioned. So they're going to be a team who I think their season's kind of, I can't say make because then they're going to they're gonna have still a road ahead of them, but they could, they could break their season here in the next week. Whereas Buffalo, I still think they're hanging around next week. Detroit, we'll see on next Wednesday where they're at. But one team we haven't really talked about at all is Pittsburgh. The final question I want to ask you today is, what do you see the Penguins doing as a team that doesn't really have a whole lot of assets, but they also cannot waste, much like Washington to an extent, like they need to go all in while Sidney Crosby is still producing at a high level. 
Yeah, they probably have to do that, considering they also like reinforced that core this past offseason by signing both Malkin and Latang to like three year contracts. So, like you're you're all in with this with this group and this core. So you're definitely a team that's gonna push. Like I think they'll they'll try and make a move. They'll bring somebody in, maybe another depth score, maybe another defenseman of some kind. You don't really hear their name in the rumor mill very much though. Like they're not a team that's making a lot of noise. And I wonder if it's just because they don't know exactly what to make of the group either. Like is the goaltending even good enough? And if that's if the goaltending isn't good enough and they don't think that the, either Jari can stay healthy or he's not good enough or DeSmith can't do it, is it worth giving up premium assets, you know, first-round picks and top prospects to just have another first-round upset or first-round exit, rather? Um, so I'm not too sure if, if they're going to do anything of consequence. Will they make an ad here and there to maybe, like, strengthen some depth? Probably. I, I doubt that they'll completely – sit on their hands it's not in brian burke's nature to sit on his hands and do anything so i think they'll do something but i'm just looking at washington's uh cap friendly page right now dude their entire team is basically unrestricted free agents their entire blue line whole blue line i guess with john carlson being out so i guess that besides him but their entire blue line right now that's healthy are all unsigned for next year orlov jensen van reamsdijk eric gustafson dylan mcarath and matt Irwin, all ufas martin favari and alexander alexiev rfas all of which expire at the end of this season and they also have four additional ufa forwards including lars eller garnet hathaway connor sheary marcus johansson and um, Nicholas Abe Kubel as well can be added into that mix. Like that's that's a lot of UFAs. I wonder if if they do decide like let's punt on this year, get a whole lot of cap space next season, and go big game hunting in free agency. Yeah, I mean even up front, I don't know if you mentioned Connor Brown there, who's in the final year of his deal. He's been out since uh, the second or third game of the year with a, uh, a torn Achilles, which just sucks because. Uh, you know, he, he's just a valuable foot soldier. I thought he was going to make the most of his contract here. But, yeah, interesting times ahead in Washington. And next week we will have our preview of the trade deadline. It will be two days before the big day. But, Mikey, let's end off with a laugh here, courtesy of Steve Lloyd, TSN 1200 host in Ottawa, talking about the Arizona Coyotes now that they've acquired Shea Weber. Uh, he goes, for me, Boland and, and Little will have to rotate in and out playing the left side because now they've got a full line of long-term injured reserve contracts who don't play hockey anymore. But my goodness, if they if this line was in its prime, like that could compete with any top line in the league. I refuse to believe that da- Pavel Datsuk is still getting paid by the Arizona Coyotes. There's no way that he's still under contract. I believe he is. If not, though, maybe this is more of a, a long-term implication here. What do we got? No, you're right. Ah, uh, the joke doesn't work anymore. You know what we could do? We could we could alternate it in for Andrew Ladd, who they are still paying for uh, the next season. Yeah, you could put Little at center and then rotate Boland and Ladd. Yeah, my goodness. And you, uh, go. you want to go even? For, you want to put a D up front? They're paying Oliver Ekman Larson nine ninety for the next five seasons. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a contract that Vancouver is also just really hating right now. They wish. 
they could punt that one into outer space for sure. Yeah, it that's not looking great. I hope we get some real trades though. Like, you know, I think we will. Like, there's 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 a lot of names out there. Gavrikov's gonna go, right? We're gonna see that one, him get dealt. I'm at this point, like, I think I'm leaning towards Patrick Kane will be a New York Ranger. By March 4th. I think it's going to happen. It would be a deadline day type of deal, I believe. But at this point, there's just so much talk about it. Him, he wants to be there. Just the words that we've heard coming out, like after they made the deal for Tarasenko, and he literally came out and was like, well, I wasn't happy about it. Like that to me kind of signaled that he wanted to go there and thought that he was going to go there and thought that was going to be the option, that they were going to bring him in. And then when they pivoted, it sounded like it kind of hurt him a little bit. And and I think Emily Kaplan wrote about that uh, of ESPN, talked about the vulnerability of those comments. And to me, that just, if they can make it work where it's possible to to bring them both in, where they can get a double retention and broker it through a third-party team and allow them to just be a complete super team, um, I kind of think it'll happen. Like, I, I really do. If that means moving on from Capo Gacko, I mean, hell, that guy really isn't doing a whole lot right now anyway for that team. So I'd bring in Batty Kane if that's what the cost was to make it work cap-wise. I'll show my cards. I think he's going to Vegas because every time there's a star on the market, they seem to get their hands on him. They do. They do, and it makes sense. But for whatever reason, I don't uh, I don't know if he'd want to go to Vegas, you know? Interesting. Yeah, I feel like a younger Patty Kane definitely would, but maybe now with the wife and kids, maybe he's not as up for for that, and he seems comfortable in Chicago. Uh, last point that we want to get to, because we talked so much about the Rangers, but I want I teased it before. Um, do you think Tampa and Boston need to answer the Toronto Maple Leafs getting Ryan O'Reilly? Do they need to? I don't think they need to, no. I think uh, as is, they. I mean, they're going to definitely be competitive. Like, will they lose if they don't make a move? No, I still think that they will stack up well and have just as good an opportunity as Toronto does to win a series against either of those teams. So do they have to make a trade? No. Do I think they will make a trade? I think that we could see Boston add on the blue line. There's some speculation that there's a Gavrikov deal pretty well in place. They're just trying to move around some money to make it work. We got big money that they want out in terms of like more uh, Morgan. No, Mike, don't call me. No, Mike, don't call me. Morgan Riley is making $3 million in the minors right now. And Craig Smith. So they can yeah. move those two. They're opening up like six mil. Right. So they're trying to figure that out uh, right now. And then as for Tampa, I could see him making a depth move. Maybe it's Tampa that brings in Luke Shen back into the fold, just as, you know, another depth defenseman that they know they can plug into the lineup and, and feel good about it. So I, they'll make some sort of depth add. I don't think they'll be giving up uh, multiple first round picks. They don't have picks anymore no. to do that either. So I think it'll just be a depth add for Tampa, but I, I don't see them doing nothing. Can't wait. The trade deadline, one of the best days of the year. We'll be back ahead of that, though, next Wednesday. For the meantime, we'll pass it over to Power Ranking Thursday on Locked On NHL. It's your team every day. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. 
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.